Happy Fourth, everyone! And welcome to the show. That concert took my life from black and white into color. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch this weekend, Friday, July 2nd, through Sunday, July 4th. We're counting down the weekend's top five must-see picks from TV and movies. But first, your entertainment headlines. Paramount Network is finally delivering details on the much-anticipated season four of Yellowstone, including when it will premiere and new cast members. The fourth season of the series will debut this fall. EW hears they're looking at a November launch. And new cast members include Jackie Weaver as Caroline Warner, the CEO of Market Equities, and Piper Perabo as Summer Higgins, an outside protester from Portland who is against the state-funded police force that protects industrialized farming and the killing of animals. Italy wants a pizza the RuPaul's Drag Race pie. The world will soon be saying ciao to a new crop of royal chicas as production company World of Wonder is set to produce Drag Race Italia Season 1 this year on Discovery Plus Italia and WoW Presents Plus. Though details are slim, WoW shared a single image from the series that teases the title next to a shot of a Roman Colosseum. You can check that out at EW.com. And after nearly four years, Meghan McCain is officially calling it quits on The View. McCain confirmed that she will finish out this season and that her last show will be at the end of July. On Thursday's episode, she told viewers and her fellow co-hosts that this was, quote, not an easy decision. It took a lot of thought and counsel and prayer and talking to my family and close friends. For more on those stories, plus other news reviews, interviews, and more, head on over to EW.com. All right, let's get down to business with our top five picks for this weekend. Number five is the latest animated comedy from DreamWorks, The Boss Baby Family Business. In this sequel to the 2017 film, Alec Baldwin's former boss baby Ted and his big brother Tim have grown up and drifted apart. But a new boss baby, Tim's new infant Tina, is about to bring them together again. When Tina reveals herself to be a secret agent for Baby Corp, she'll whisk the brothers off on an adventure to stop an evil genius and maybe rediscover the meaning of family along the way. Here's a bit of the trailer. Uncle Ted, I missed you so much. That's my girl. Woohoo! You can't solve everything with money. But you can, Tim. You haven't changed at all! You're still a big baby! Suck it, Ted. You suck. Get that passing out of my face! Excuse me. I hate to interrupt. I mean, it's a riveting conversation, but why don't you both suck it? She can talk. All right. I'm in the family business, and now you work for me, boomers. Yes, that is a baby speaking with the voice of Amy Sedaris. You can stream the Boss Baby family business on Peacock right now. We're staying animated for our number four pick, We the People, a new short-form series from Netflix. Executive produced by the Obamas, the show combines music and animation to educate young Americans about the power of the people, with 10 music videos covering a range of basic civics lessons in not-so-basic ways. Set to original songs by such artists as Her, Janelle Monet, and Lin-Manuel Miranda, We the People calls on viewers to reframe their understanding of what government and citizenship mean in a modern world. Here's a clip featuring Her. Information's all around. Go out and vote cause I know it counts. 
pound of pavement and act now Make a statement and say a prize Oh, from the street to the hill, join a campaign Don't have to wait for some day just to have change No, you're never too young to make a difference You have the power to be an active citizen If I'm just one person, my voice even stand out Can I make a difference if I don't even know how to change? And you will definitely want to tune in to check out the trippy animation. It's like schoolhouse rock meets adult swim. We the People arrives on Netflix this Sunday, just in time for July 4th. You've heard a lot of EW staffers this week talking about what they've been watching. And we have one more in-house recommendation to close out the week. Joining me now is EW's digital news director, Jillian Cedarholm, to talk about her latest discovery on Netflix. Hey, Jillian, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I am doing really well. So uh, I have a very important question for you. You ready for it? Sure. All right. What you watching? (laughs) Why are you like this? (laughs) It's what we do here. No, really. Why are you like this? It's a question I get asked every day. But what is the show you're watching? Jared, why are you like this? (laughs) I have so many answers to this question. But for everyone wondering, the name of the show is actually Why Are You Like This? I have never heard of this. How did you discover it and what is it about? Yes. So I was just randomly binge watching uh, one night last weekend Uh, And I'd gone through, I guess, every show in my Netflix queue. And the next thing that popped up, it recommended this show called Why Are You Like This? I had also never heard of it. I didn't recognize anyone in it. uh, But I thought, why not give this a try? So I hit play. And actually, in the first episode, I immediately recognized a scene from seeing a meme of it on Instagram and Twitter. There was uh, this scene of a... Uh, one of the characters kind of scolding her coworkers for not being viewers of RuPaul's Drag Race. And I was like, oh, mm. that's where I've seen that. I've seen this <laughs> meme popping up of why don't you guys watch Drag Race? All right. So there are three three main characters here, right? Tell yes. me about them. It's about, it's about these three 20-something best friends in Australia. Um, and it's a really quick binge of only six episodes. They're all less than 25 minutes Um, And so these friends are kind of, I would say, like extremely woke, a little too woke for their own good when they're actually Uh. just three total narcissists um, who think they're better (laughs) than everyone and and actually making everyone's lives uh, much worse around them. So we've got uh, Penny is a uh, social justice warrior type who is the only female coder at her job and keeps trying to uh, hold Uh, seminars and and really be an ally for people but just kind of keeps stepping in it she uh, ends up reporting one of her co-workers for being homophobic it turns out that he's gay Um, she gets to the point that her boss keeps a chart to try to figure out uh, who he said who he should be siding with um, a woman versus a gay Asian man so it's it's kind of like cringe dark comedy but um, it's really it makes fun of itself 
Um, the other character is Mia, who is a Muslim woman who observes Ramadan, but really struggles with the part where you have to try to be a good person, um, especially when she runs into a magician and she really hates magicians. <laughs> that causes a whole uh, lot of chaos. Um, she also... Uh, uh, protests when she's fired from her job in the first episode because she says it's discrimination until she finds out there's severance pay and she's like okay i'm out of here um <laughs> then there's austin who is a uh, gay man who does drag on the side um and goes through a little bit of a, a bout of depression after he hooks up with a very unwoke kind of sugar daddy type who he cannot mm. introduce to his roommates because he knows that they will be just completely offended by him. But it causes a lot of um, great one-liners. <laughs> so. mm. Okay. Okay. Now, there, there's something you said that stood out to me there. You said uh, that it's a good, like, cringe, dark comedy. And if there's one thing I know about you, it's that you like that kind of stuff. It's it's your... I, that I make everyone cringe. <laughs> but that kind of comedy, I think, is, is up your alley. Is that what you love most about this show? Yeah, totally. It's, it's just, I mean, there are things that you're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe they just said that. But it's it's so funny. And it's really, it's, it's making fun of it. So it's not, it, it's like being offensive to make fun of... Uh, the things that are actually offensive in the world like there's a whole episode where this artist that they're that one of them's really a fan of uh, does something to get canceled on social media and then they spend the whole episode kind of figuring out well one of them's getting paid to work for her so should he still do the job um, they then they go to try to help her end up getting her canceled further and it just kind of devolves into total chaos and uh, terrible things. So if there's one thing that we are learning here, it's that the Netflix algorithm really knows you. Oh, yeah. My my algorithm is nice and dark. It's set. All right. Well, uh, if anyone wants to check it out, there's one season on Netflix available to watch. Be sure to check that out. Jillian, thanks as always. Thank you. And why are you like this? Really? Why? The list is long. Number three. Now let's hop in the Wayback Machine for this weekend's number three pick, Summer of Soul. The filmmaking debut of one Amir Questlove Thompson takes us back to the summer of 1969, the same summer as Woodstock, when another music festival was happening just 100 miles away. The documentary chronicles the Harlem Culture Festival, a six-week event celebrating black history, culture, and fashion that was filmed but never seen on screen until now. Summer of Soul includes never-before-seen concert performances by Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone, Gladys Knight, and more, and shines a light on the healing power of music during times of unrest, both past and present. Here's a preview. Nobody ever heard of the Harlem Culture Festival. Nobody would believe it happened. Six weekends of major artists. The Panthers were the security and kids were sitting up on the trees. I was nervous. I didn't expect a crowd like that. Something very important was happening. It wasn't just about the music. 1969 was a change of era in the black community. The styles were changing. Music was changing. And revolution was coming together. We are a beautiful people.
Clearly, this is no ordinary documentary. In her review of the movie from the Sundance Film Festival, EW's Leah Greenblatt writes that Questlove, quote, crafts it as a sort of perfect mixtape. Here's Questlove himself on how he approached his feature film debut. Just naturally, anything that I do, be it in terms of writing books, in terms of food, in terms of curating shows, be it The Tonight Show or, or The Root Show or anyone else's show that has me sort of organized things. I kind of think in terms of like a DJ, so there's there's a natural rhythm mm-hmm. that I have with things. And um, so I will say that the DJ and me was sort of thinking in mixtape mode. 69 was such a paradigm shift. That's when the word black was actually being used as far as how we wanted to describe ourselves like before 69, we were either colored or Negro. So you're, you're literally watching, as, as we're living in a paradigm shift, you're watching like one of the most important paradigm shifts of post-civil rights America happen. So for me, I was curious about where we were as far as our political activity. And I was, even as a musician, as a musician that stayed on the road forever and toured and all those things, like I'm curious about like, what your hotel accommodations were. Like, did they have a cheese spread backstage? You know, were you driven to the show? Did you drive yourselves to the show? Were there bodyguards? Like, how did 12 microphones get that perfect sound? Like, so there's all these things that I wanted to know as music head, as a working class musician, as a kind of an observer of history. There was so much to unpack. And you can unpack Summer of Soul right now. The documentary is currently streaming on Hulu. It's trivia time. Questlove and his bandmate Tariq Black Thought Trotter were high school classmates with the members of what iconic group? The E Street Band, the Wu-Tang Clan, or Boys to Men? Stick around for the answer. Our top two picks and soundbite of the week are up next. What to Watch will be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. Before we get to our top two picks, our soundbite of the week comes from the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Lisa Rinna faced a bit of a crisis on this week's episode as tabloid rumors swirled about her 19-year-old daughter, Amelia, dating 37-year-old father of three, Scott Disick, who you might know from Keeping Up with Kardashians. The other wives weighed in, including Kathy Hilton, who knows a thing or two about this type of situation. Would I be freaked out if I had a daughter that was dating an older man? No, I was the daughter that was dating older men all my life, so no. I just wouldn't allow it. Hell no. I would lock her up in the house and take away her cell phone and spank her. From someone that knows a little something about having daughters in the public eye, it could be worse. 
Well, yes, if anyone would know, it's Kathy Hilton. You can catch up on more from The Weekend Wives on EW.com and catch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills Wednesday at 8 p.m. on Bravo. Number two. All right, let's move from Beverly Hills to a very different neighborhood for our number two pick, Fear Street, or more specifically, Fear Street Part 1, 1994. The first entry in Netflix's new trilogy of terror, inspired by R.L. Stein's Fear Street book series, begins in the 1990s as a group of teenagers discover that the terrifying events that have haunted their town for generations may all be connected and that they may be the next targets. The other two films, which will hit Netflix over the next two weeks, head back in time through the town's sinister history, but the first entry works just fine as a throwback slasher movie with echoes of 90s classics like Scream. Here's a preview. It's been three centuries. It stops here. It stops with us. Who the hell was that? How should I know? She was hot. The bitch seemed normal. Amazing observation. Your best chance is to run from this place. Go, go, go! In Shadyside, we're all cursed. Ah! The devil is in me. Can you see you're fighting these things? Try not to die. Welcome to the suck. That gave me <clears throat> goosebumps. So the big question is, how scary are these movies really? Well, EW's Tyler Aquilina and Leah Greenblatt weigh in on the latest episode of our What to Watch video series. It sort of depends on on your tolerance for, you know, the different uh, horror things. I think, you know, these are movies that, you know, unlike a lot of recent horror movies, which more rely on just like this complete atmosphere of like dread and anxiety. Like these are not Ari Aster emotional terrorism type of things. These are like classic slasher movie, jump scare, blood and guts, as I said. Leah, are you scared by these? Um, not scared, but I did scream. Oh, so that, honestly, that's the perfect answer. That's what I'm looking I for. I will say, okay, here's this. Okay. It won't haunt your dreams, but it will make you maybe need to watch like one little cupcake show after. Well, the characters in Fear Street might need a different kind of cleanser to mop up all the blood. You can check out Fear Street Part 1, 1994 on Netflix now, if you dare. And now, this weekend's number one pick is not so much a show as an event. The annual televised 4th of July festivities. Our picks for what to watch on the 4th, if you're unable to view in-person fireworks, of course, are the Macy's Fireworks Spectacular on NBC and a Capital 4th on PBS. The former will feature Black Pumas, Coldplay, Reba McIntyre, and more ahead of Macy's iconic fireworks display above New York City's summer skyline. A Capital Fourth, meanwhile, will feature pre-taped performances by Cynthia Erivo, Mickey Guyton, Pentatonix, and more from across the country, followed by a live fireworks show broadcast from Washington, D.C. Life may not be fully back to normal, but these shows will hopefully point us toward brighter days ahead as we celebrate our Independence Day. The Macy's Fireworks Spectacular hits Sunday at 8 p.m. on NBC, and a Capital Fourth airs at 8 p.m. on PBS. Double-check your local listings for tune-in times. Trivia. And finally this weekend, the answer to our trivia question... 
Questlove and Black Thought of The Roots were high school classmates with the members of what iconic group? The E Street Band, the Wu-Tang Clan, or Boys to Men? We're at the end of the road here. The answer is Boys to Men. They all attended the Philadelphia High School for the Creative and Performing Arts, where, as Questlove recalled, Boys to Men would rehearse every day in the bathroom or the hallways. That's our show for this weekend. We'll have more news and must-see picks for you on Monday, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm Senior TV Editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great weekend. What to Watch. What to Watch is written by Tyler Aquilina, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, produced and hosted by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Krokmal and Carly Usden.